are talking about the Holy Spirit. We have been talking about Him for three weeks, and we've just had an amazing time of just understanding who He is. We learned last week about His relational presence, that, the ho- that Holy Spirit is God's relational presence with us. We learned last week also that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence with us. Holy Spirit is not some weird, crazy thing. Holy Spirit is God with us. Holy Spirit is God with us. When Jesus said it is better that I go away, he meant because Holy Spirit would come to be with us. When he said in Matthew 28 that go and make disciples of all nations, and then he said, and I will be with you always. What he was referring to is that Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus would be with us. Holy Spirit would be with us. You will never, ever, ever do anything alone again. Amen. So, we, Lord, I just pray that as we continue with this series, that you would speak to us, that you would come and you would reveal more of your ways to us. I ask that everyone here would leave here changed. I ask that everyone here would leave here more in love with you. I ask that everyone here would leave here more understanding of your ways, more able, more fully alive, more fully themselves, more fully united to you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want to start by asking you a few questions. First of all, what would you do if nothing were impossible? (laughs) Just think about it. Think about your life. What would you do if nothing were impossible? Another question, who would you be if you had no fear? Who would you be if you had no fear? The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And Holy Spirit with us is the epitome of love. What would you do if you had no fear? You know, I challenge myself with these questions. I don't think I've fully gotten to live out the answers. But my quest is every day to live them out a little bit more to live out the truth of the gospel that God is really with me, to live out the truth of the gospel that God, the Lord Jesus Christ has won in everything. The cross means that nothing is impossible. The cross means that everything that God wants for the world is possible. The cross means that Jesus has literally destroyed death, destroyed sickness, destroyed heartache. He has made a way for every person to be who they were always meant to be. He has made a way for the world and its systems and its ways to be restored to the way God originally meant them. And the way that happens is the Holy Spirit coming in people, coming through people, to bring the will and way of God into the world. And the glory of it is, is that from the very beginning, God was determined that he would not do the incredible remaking of the world on his own. The incredible rejuvenation, the incredible renewal that he planned. From from the moment Adam and Eve fell, God's plan kicked into place to bring back his original plan. And yet, from that very beginning, he was unwilling to do it himself. The reason that it it takes has been taking a little bit longer is that he, the Spirit of God, is in your ear daily saying, "Come, walk my way. Let's go this way." He is unwilling to do it without you. He's unwilling to do it without your neighbor. He's unwilling to do it without South Africa. 
And the Spirit of God is brooding over your environment right now, calling you into greatness, calling you into your destiny, calling you into a life without fear, calling into you into a life where impossibility is nothing, calling you into a life where you stand and look at the, the, the destruction around you and say, no more. My God has a way. And I'm going to walk in it and I'm going to take people into that way with me. So I want to talk about miracle mindsets. How many of you would like to see more miracles in your life? <laughs> you know, and those of you who are not raising your hands, I know you really want to, but you're like, what are you going to make me do if I raise my hand? I'm not going to make you do anything, but the truth is I, c I don't know a single Christian that would say no to a miracle. I know people who don't even believe in the Holy Spirit who would say yes to a miracle. <laughs> you know, I know people who don't even believe in God, but when their child is sick, they'll pray. Why? Because innate in the heart of every human being is something built in. That this life was not meant to be lived just on my own. There is meant to be a supernatural element. There is meant to be a God who's real and available and doing stuff. I'm meant to be able to partner with Him for greatness, goodness, breakthrough. I'm meant to have that. Even people who don't believe in God, there's that vestige of it saying, crying out, give me a powerful God. Show me a God who can do stuff. So let's look at some miracle mindsets. We have a vision statement here that goes something like this. It doesn't go something like this. It goes exactly like this. <laughs> we see lives, community, society transformed through discipleship in the word, the presence, and the power of God. Yes. We understand this when we look at South Africa, that God has a plan to raise up a nation for his glory. We look at our communities and we realize God has a plan to change our communities, to change your family, to change lives. And we understand the way he does it is the way he's always done it, through discipleship. He comes upon Musa and he says, Musa, reach out to your, your neighbor, uh, bring them into the kingdom, teach them about Jesus, call them to rise up and stand with you in the power and the majesty of Jesus. And then the two of you go and do it with someone else. We understand that God does it through people and through people reaching people. but that he brings them into a relationship with him through his word. That the truth of Jesus Christ is proclaimed through our relationships, is proclaimed in our churches, is proclaimed wherever we go. At the same time, he does it by bringing us into relationship with him. That from the beginning, God meant his presence to be with us. And last of all, he does it through us as we exhibit the power of God. I know people in this church who are here because God did a miracle in their lives. They were seeking. They didn't know, they didn't know if God was real or not. And then, then the person who was discipling them, reaching out to them, said, can I pray for you? And when they couldn't get a job for years, suddenly they got a job. When they had been sick for weeks and no, no way of getting better, and suddenly they were better. When a relationship had broken down and their friend prayed for them and miraculously, the relationship started getting better. They had to say this. This God you speak of is real. This God you talk about is true. 
And I need, I need that kind of breakthrough power in my life. I need my life to be more or less about just me and my ability and my wisdom and my, my hard work. I need my life to be about me putting my part in, but a God breathing on my, on my effort and making it something more than what I could do on my own. So we spoke a lot about Holy Spirit as God's presence last week. This week, I want to talk about His power. As we, as we explore what it means to have a miracle mindset so that our minds can be in a place where God wants to move in His power, we say yes. We can partner with Him and we can, we can believe with Him to see those miracles come to pass. So I want to turn to a portion of Scripture. You may turn with me or you can look on the screen, whichever you, you prefer. But it's from Matthew 7, Matthew 10, sorry, Matthew 10 from verse 7. And Jesus is sending out his disciples, his followers. And he's sending out them two by two into the surrounding towns. And he says this to them. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not, take, do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. I'm so delighted when he said staff, he meant one of those sticks, because wherever I go, I'm taking my staff, you know. Because in, the, in this church, we have the best staff you will ever have. I hope you got the pun. I think some of you are just like slowly catching on, but I was being funny. I know it's rare, but anyway, take it for what it is. But as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. You know, that was so radical. You know, we just, that those kind of words just off our lips now, you know. It's just like normal Bible speak. But when Jesus told them to go and preach the kingdom of heaven, it was radical, revolutionary stuff. Living under occupation by the Romans, when they went out and said, the kingdom of heaven is near. It meant that we are no longer, no longer going to live under the rules of this world. We are now going to live under the sovereignty and rulership of, of God from this moment forth. That God's will and way is coming into the world. His rulership is being established. Things are going to change from this moment forward. It was a powerful message. And it meant that now is the time for a miracle. What it meant is that business will not carry on as normal. What it meant is that not, you know, I, I think the Jews of those times and I think the Christians of our times very often have this mindset about this, this thing that is going to happen in the future where God's going to set everything right. You know, this, this um, way... Way to come time when, when God will come and do, do all the things that, that we want him to do. And we just have to hang on until that time. Yeah. You know, just, just make do. But Jesus' message is completely different. Yep. 
His message is, it's not about the future, it's about the now. The kingdom of heaven at that time is near. It's like knocking on the doors of the hearts of the people. And I want to say to you that now that Jesus has died and rose again, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's all around you. It's his presence, his rulership. It's not about some place that you go to when you die. Of course, heaven is also that. But Jesus wasn't talking about that. He was talking about a present reality of his life coming now, of his rulership, his governance, his lordship coming now into every area of life. That's what the message he was saying. He was saying, it's now. It's not tomorrow. It's not in 10 years. It's not in the next century. The kingdom of heaven is here. Now is the time for a miracle. And he demonstrated it wherever he went. He didn't say, oh, what? Your daughter died. <laughs> Sorry. But don't worry. The kingdom's coming. You'll, you'll be fine. Just, just hang on. Grieve. Like in 15 years, maybe we, we'll kind of believe for some kind of a, a, a change in your life. He just walked to the house and raised the girl. You know, people approached him with sickness and disease. He wasn't like, oh, gosh, learn a lesson from this. <laughs> Just learn to become a better person. Now, listen, become a better person in everything, in every hardship. I mean, make it work for you. But he didn't say that. He just healed them. Why? Why? Because his message is this. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's not far away. It's not something you have to strive for. It's not something you're still waiting for. It's not a yearning in your heart. The kingdom of heaven is here. In John 4, he's interacting with a Samaritan woman. And his, his disciples are kind of like, having this conversation about food with him. But they seemed to have lots of conversations about food with him. Uh, clearly, they were hungry a lot. <laughs> but in the middle of this, he stands up and makes this profound statement. He said, do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What was he saying? He was saying this very thing. He's saying, stop waiting for some nuclear event or some like a big a random like I don't know flash of light now is the time I'm here let's do this thing literally what he's saying is that there is never a time that there is there's not someone near you who's ready to get saved what he's saying in your life right now there are people in your vicinity that are just waiting for you to tell them that's what it means. It means that there is never a time when there's not a harvest there. It's not four months. It's not next year. It's not when you get more Bible knowledge. It's not when you get smarter. It's not when you get thinner. It's not any of those things. It's right now, there is someone in your life who's ready to hear the gospel and will get saved. Right now, Right now, there are miracles waiting for you. The time is now for a miracle. So many of you know the story, Andrew, this great man who I've been married to for 30 years. <laughs> Yo, no, let's just give the Lord a hand. All you married people are going, whew, what an achievement. 
It was easy for me. I just don't know how easy it was for Andrew, you know. <laughs> but 20 of those years, Andrew had a chronic illness. He's been healed now. Last year, April, May, he was healed. Such a great miracle, and I'm so grateful to the Lord. But for 20 years, he bat I like battled to the point it was Im nearly impossible to get out of bed, lived with excruciating pain day in and day out. And he still had a smile on his face. I mean, it's just amazing. Jesus is amazing in him. So I, I used to, you know, there were times when I got despondent. I'm sure he was getting despondent too, but I'm telling my story. So I remember there were times when I would wake up in the morning and I'd like, oh my gosh, do we have to do this day again? It's going to be hard all over. And then God would just, he would just speak to me and he would say this, today's the day for a miracle. I mean, I mean, why? Why not today? Why couldn't it be today that is the day of the miracle? I mean, some of you have been in, in difficult situations for a long time. Why not today? I mean, ju just ask yourself that question. I mean, there is no reason that God couldn't do it today. You know, Clearly, for 20 years of those days, he didn't do it. But, but I wanted to tell you what it did for me. Is that I woke up and I was looking for miracles. It's like, it's like the miracle with Andrew didn't happen that day. But, but then I would meet someone in the shops and they would have a headache. And I'd say, gosh, I, God told me there's a miracle today, so I'm just going to pray for you. And a miracle would happen. Or, um, you know, I'd be, I would be counseling someone and it would be an impossible situation and I would say, gosh, I've told you all my wisdom. Clearly, that's not working. Let's just pray and believe for a miracle. And bam, something would happen. And you know what? I felt like from that moment on, the miracle level in my life just began to climb. Why? Because I woke up saying, maybe today. Today is a day for miracles. Today is a day for breakthrough. David Bentley Hart says this in a book called The Doors of the Sea, which is a very long book with a lot of words. You don't have to read it. Just take this quote. <laughs> he said this, God is not good. Uh, sorry, God is not only good. <laughs> he didn't say God is not good. Can we all just erase that from your memories? <laughs> Pretend I didn't say that. Sorry, Lord. God is not only good, but goodness itself. Not only true or beautiful, but infinite truth and beauty. That all the transcendental perfections are one in him. Transcendental means that the, the beauty, the perfections beyond human understanding. The transcendental perfections are one in him who is the source and end of all things. The infinite wellspring of all being. There is a God on the throne, who has defeated every sickness, every disease, every evil. And that God, that God wants to be known by you. And that God is knocking on the doors of your obstacles and saying, let me in. He's knocking on the doors of your troubles, of your heartaches, of your hopelessness, and he's saying, let me in. Let me show you what a God who loves can do. Now is the time for a miracle. Now is the time for a miracle. So, so the passage goes on and talks. he tells his disciples, 
he tells them to uh, preach the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he says this, I love it. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Now, what he didn't say, he didn't go, please, if you see a person, would you try and heal them? Would you try and pray for them? He didn't go and say, you know, if you see a dead person, would you, would you, would you just call me and I'll come and do stuff? You know, he didn't say that. I mean, th- these are the most imperative statements you will find in the Bible. I mean, he stood them in front of him, looked them in their eyes and said, heal the sick. It's not a suggestion. It's not a request. He just said, heal the sick. I mean, I'm just like, I'm sure they, they took their breath away. <laughs> it's like, okay. I mean, he just, it's almost like he's demanding some kind of action, excellence, faith from them that, to be honest, human beings don't have. Yeah. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Bam. Why could he say that? Why could he say that? Because he knew he had delegated authority that the Spirit of Christ would be with them. And when they stood before the destruction of the enemy, that the, the mighty, powerful love of God was going to rise up in that moment and say, no. That if they, that all God needed was someone to stand in the gap between the pain in that person's life and his goodness and say, I will be the bridge between the two. Come and do what you need to do, Lord. I speak to this body and I say, be healed. I speak to this life and I see, say, be resurrected. I speak to this oppression and I say, be gone in Jesus' name. So let me put it this way. Something always happens when you pray. Something always happens when you pray. And Jesus knew that. He, he, he wasn't mincing his words because he was like, all you have to do is stand in the gap between this person's pain and my goodness. You have to form the bridge between we, me coming to that person. You have to be the conduit through which I come. I will do it. Something always happens when you pray. And so I've told you the story about Andrew being sick for 20 years. He had a disease called fibromyalgia. And I remember being invited to speak at a gathering in Bloemfontein. And a whole lot of people came up for prayer. And there were two ladies standing, young, young ladies. They're like in the early 20s standing there. And they asked me to pray for them. And I asked them what was wrong with them. And they said the dreaded words. I mean, I've been struggling. Andrew and I have been struggling with this demonic experience. He's going through this sickness, this fibromyalgia. They look me in the eyes with a smile on their face and they say, we have fibromyalgia. You know, I just, I stood there and it's like, it's like all the faith dropped out of me because I've been, I've been battling that demon for I don't know how many years and now these sweet little things, uh, you know, are standing before me and saying, 
we want to be healed of fibromyalgia. And I'm like, I've been praying for how many years to have this thing go in my husband. And, you know, what do I do? And then it came came to me, as you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And, you know, something inside of me rose up and said, God cannot be defeated by this. took the one girl by the hand. I prayed all my best prayers, guys. My best prayers. You know, I pulled out the scriptures. I prayed it hard. I was, you know, I took no nonsense from the devil. You know, I was uh, praying my best, best prayers. I say to her afterwards, so how are you feeling? She says, oh, it's still so painful. <laughs> I'm like, ah! And then I just, you know, it's not like an angel stood before me. There were no lightning bolts. God just said to me, Ask her about those words that she heard when she was a young girl. And I said to her, was there something said to you when you were a young girl that really hurt you? She said, yes. We prayed through that. I took her hand again, and I prayed all those best prayers right again. (laughs) And she goes like this, oh, my word, all the pain's gone, all the pain's gone, all the pain's gone. So I go to the next girl, now I'm I'm standing tall, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) took her hand. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to pray my best prayers. I just prayed prayers, just ordinary prayers, you know. I just speak to this pain in Jesus' name, and I command you to go. Let the kingdom of God, that kingdom that Jesus declared, let it come over this one. And she stands there and says, oh, my word, all the pain's gone. I mean, they, they said it a lot more jubilantly than that. I mean, they were jumping, they were shouting, they were just, they were just like overjoyed, absolutely overjoyed. Why? Because something always happens when you pray. And what I learned, so then when I was driving back from Bloomington, I said to this, myself this, well, that means that every time I pray for Andrew, even though he's not running and jumping and, and screaming and jubilant that all the pain's gone, something's happening. Something's happening. And I'm not going to stop praying until the fullness of that thing that's happening is seen. And I want to propose to you that when you pray, whether you see anything happen or not, Something is happening. Because there's a God who always answers prayer. There's a God who always answers prayer. There's a scripture, 1 John 2 verse 27, to give you some background. It's John was writing to a group of people who, uh, they were devout Christians, but there, were, there had been these false teachers that were coming by, and they were trying to teach them the secret ways of the kingdom. You know, those ways that your, your apostles and your leaders don't tell you, these secret ways. If you just pay me a little bit of money, or quite a lot of money, I will teach you these secret ways that no one knows. You know those people. We have them around today. They never went away. And John is, is helping them to resist this. No, my... Nothing secret. God's not like playing hide and seek with you. He's telling you the truth. You know, everything is plain and out there in the open. And guess what? You don't have to pay for it. And he says this to them. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. Guys, you carry an anointing. Do you understand? The the presence of the Holy Spirit is in you. There is something in you that that is yearning to change the world. That is yearning to impact your environment. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. You have an anointing. 
Okay, guys, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Take a deep breath. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have an anointing. You have anointing. I'm, ju- I'm jumping in deep there with the best preachers in the world. I'm taking the bull by the horns. You have an anointing. There's not something more you need to do. Guys, I'm sure there's something wrong in all of your lines. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's something, there's something wrong somewhere. But, but that doesn't determine your, anoint, determine your anointing. It doesn't determine God's love for you. Get, get your stuff right. Get your stuff right. But in the meantime, you carry an anointing. Do what you have to do. Release the anointing and the power and the grace of God. You carry an anointing. You've been called by God. You are His. You're standing with Him. His anointing rests on you. Do the work of the kingdom. There is something so fantastic, so incredible. There's a promise in the Bible that is reiterated so many times that it will blow your mind. It's a promise that every time I read it, I, it takes my breath away and I almost have to say, can that really be? And here they are, all of them. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. John 14, 14. Again, I tell you that, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Matthew 18. If you remain in me and my word... Uh, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. John 15. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. John 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. John 15. Guys, do you need any more? <laughs> do you need any more? I mean, it's, I mean, Jesus left us in no doubt. When you pray, something happens. When you pray, God does something. Your prayers make a difference. Pray, release truth, do the work of the kingdom. And then, and then Jesus, after he's told him to do these impossible things, he says to them, and don't take any gold, silver, or copper with you. I mean, I know you're in the habit of carrying all those gold coins and stuff. You can stop. Don't take those gold, silver, and copper with you. He says, don't, e- don't even take an extra tunic, a bag, a staff, as I said. You can leave all your staff at home. You don't even have to take anything extra. Because the work is worthy of his keep. In other words, guys, whatever you need, you've already got it. It's, a, it's, not, like, it's not like something has to be added to you for you to be able to do the stuff I'm asking you. You don't have to make provision like, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? And the last miracle miracle mindset that I want us to look at is, I have what I need because he's with me. I have what I need because he's with me. We spoke a lot about God's presence with us last week. But the truth is, you know, none of us actually have what it takes to do the works of the kingdom. Like, just by yourself. But with him, we can do it all. And here's the beautiful promise he made. When he told us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that he has commanded us, 
as I said earlier, he made us this promise, I will be with you always, even to the end. He cannot deny his promise. Holy Spirit with you. Access to all the wisdom of God. Access to all the power of God. Access to all the truth of God. Access to all the empowerment of God because he's with you. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, And God God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that he's taken you and zapped you away and put you in a heavenly home. It means that he's given you a new perspective, that this kingdom that has come, he has taken you in this kingdom and he's put you right next to Jesus. And Jesus is showing you everything from his perspective. And from that high vantage point, you are looking at your difficulties, you're looking at your challenges, and you're seeing how small they are in comparison to God's greatness. That's what it means. You're seated with him. You're seeing like he sees you. Your whole world is being transformed by the revelation of God's victory in Christ Jesus. I love this quote by a theologian by the name of Craig S. Keener. He says this, If we must feel God's presence before we believe he is with us, we again reduce God to our ability to grasp him making him an idol instead of acknowledging him as God. You know, I want every single one of you to feel God with you. Really, I do. I feel, I feel like part of our journey in Christian Christianity is to have God real in every area of our life, real in our understanding, real in our emotions, real in our actions, that, that we all should be progressing towards having God real in everything. And I want you to all to be growing in your ability to feel God with you. But here's the deal. If you don't feel him with with you, he is with you. Your feelings don't determine reality. God's word determines reality. Your feelings are catching up with God's reality. But in the meantime, we're going to go with God's reality. God is with you, whether you're feeling or not. Whether you've had a fight with your wife or not. God is with you. Whether you've just received that big bill or not, God is with you. Whether your boss likes you or not, God is with you. God is with you. Whether it feels like it or not, God is with you. So what are our miracle mindsets? What do we need to keep in our mind in order to be successful in the work that God has called us to do? Because he hasn't called you to a small work. He's not saying, go about and try and be happy. Just keep things together. Be sweet to your neighbor. Try and be a good person. He's saying, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. And don't bother about taking anything with you. Just go. Just go because I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. The miracle mindsets we carry, now is the time for a miracle. Something always happens when I pray. I have what I need because he's with me. Thank you, Lord. Can we give the Lord a hand?